Right on, Bears fans. It is a Bears football Friday. We got Courtney Cronin on the show, and we got so much to get into. It's not just a Bears football Friday. It's a football Friday. Courtney, football is back. How excited are you for the see? Just for something that's real to talk about for once, actually. <laughs> Knowing that the first game between the Lions and the Chiefs is now less than a week away, I am jacked for it. I hope that the Chiefs end up getting Chris Jones, his contract that he very much deserves because his other one was antiquated and they need him. So listen, let's listen. let's Let root, let's root for guys four. getting paid. No, let's root for guys getting paid. I know, I know, as a Bears fan, you don't want to <laughs> see him there week three. So I understand the logic. I want to see Chris Jones get paid. I want to see Nick Bosa gets get paid. Deadline spur action. This is going to be an exciting couple of days to watch leading into week one to see if guys are really going to be serious about their holdouts, if they don't end up getting those contracts, there's such a difference in the holdouts that are happening right now. Right? Like the whole Jonathan Taylor situation versus Chris Jones. You just look at the chiefs and you're like, you're going to give up 15 and a half sacks. Like that's the game. Okay. We'll see how that goes, but we got a lot to get into. First quarter. Uh, let's jump straight into the first quarter podcast brought to you by the hard rock casino in Northern Indiana. Make sure you see gypsy Kings featuring Nicole Reyes on September 29th at Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Courtney, we have named our captains, and I think that this brings up a bigger conversation. Uh, for the four Chicago Bears captains for the season, and there will be a rotating fifth. Uh, Justin Fields, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, DJ Moore, and Eddie Jackson. But I think that this brings up a bigger conversation on Justin Fields as a leader, because everyone believes that the expectation on Justin Fields has to be a number. But I brought this up with Yurko today on the pod or yesterday on the podcast. And I think that if we come out of this season and we know that we have a leader that our team is willing to rally around, that is a good quarterback, maybe not one of the top five, the Chicago Bears will be happy with that. What are your thoughts on that? See, I think they already know that. Like, Justin Fields' leadership has never been questioned. And I go back to a moment, locker clean-out day in January, when we're talking to Justin Jones at his locker, defensive player, not in the same meeting rooms as Justin Fields unless it's yeah. an all-team thing. And he's always been very outspoken. He's a great person to talk to. He'll tell you how it is, not sugarcoat things. And his support of Justin Fields in that moment to me led me to like above all else. No. Okay. This is somebody, it's not just lip service. I know that they're frustrated. It was a three and 14 season fields had his ups. He had his downs. But when he said, if we get it, when we get a real offense around Justin, it's going to be scary. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's yeah. like, that's the basis of what he said that this is the guy. Now, decision makers, you do right by him by putting pieces around him because when you have people who rally around the quarterback that play on the same side of the ball as the quarterback and others who do not, that's the sign of somebody who has the support of the locker room, an unquestioned leader. So I think they know that with Justin Fields. And mm. they've known that now for a while. Even early on last year in his first full season as a starter, there was that support. There was still the unknown of can he start to show signs despite having – unreasonable circumstances around him in terms of talent and what he, the circumstances he was going to have to play through. Like 
the the leadership part was never a question. It wasn't anything about his work ethic, and any it wasn't anything about his leadership. I mean, he's a captain last year, so yeah. for for him to be named a captain this year, an absolute no brainer. What was more surprising? Surprising. I'm going to use that word loosely, but was more eyebrow raising to me and just shows you kind of where this team is at in the rebuild and how much they've had to turn the roster over. Two of your four captains are guys who were not here last year. <laughs> Brand new. TJ uh, Tremaine Edmonds yeah. is the rah rah guy. He's the leader out there defensively. He's, you know, calling the defense. He's been a rock for them, even when he hasn't been practicing. So, that one on the defensive side, and then of course DJ Moore, your best offensive player, the guy who is a lead by example sort of leader. So two very different styles of leadership between no. what Edmonds brings to this team and what DJ Moore brings. It's a very well rounded group with Justin Fields, truly the head, the the face of this that is built on the votes of the, of the players. Who I think it was on Wednesday, Matt Eberflus said. They all had their meeting. They voted on the captains. And then on Thursday, he let them know who was going to be captains for the season. And then, of course, each week there's an honorary captain. But I thought they got a really nice mix of experience, of age, of positions, and of guys who really matter to the success of this team, the building blocks of this team, not just this year, but going forward. I think the one that maybe is under the radar a little bit more. Um, To me, I think that even though a safety, usually it's somebody on the line, I think Eddie Jackson is going to be the heart of this defense, right? We talk about our guys who are leaders in in previous years, right? Of course, Khalil Mack was your best player. Robert Quinn having 18 and a half sacks. He's the guy that you look to most, right? But when we look at those defenses, we talk about Akeem Hicks is that heart of the team. I think Eddie Jackson, his how how quickly and how freely he's going to get the play and how quickly he can flip a field by, I got the ball in my hands or I, I punched the ball out or I knocked the ball in the air. Somebody else get on mm-hmm. it. We're going the other way. I think that he might be somebody who could be a candidate to be the heart and soul of this defense while Tremaine Edmonds, Yannick and Gakwe are probably going to be your best players. I can't sleep on a guy like Eddie Jackson. Back no, and I, and I think that he's shown, like the last two years, he has shown the ability to put the rough two seasons he had after getting the contract extension, all of the outside noise of man, he signs the big deal. Yeah. And now he has, you know, he has no interceptions in that time frame. Of course, we can go back and watch. A lot called those, back. I'm not going to lie to you. Called back That's got to suck. <laughs> Imagine how he must have felt. And <laughs> to continue to suck. go out there week after week. And then this past season, his season ends week 12, when he was finally feeling like himself again. He is still at this point of his career, you know, he's he he comes out every year and he's told us about how much like this is the year. This is the year. And he's and he admitted it this year. He's like, you know, I said I know I say that every year, but something's different about this team. Yeah. Keeping him in the fold, like where on most other circumstances, many other circumstances on most other teams where his salary cap hit was as big as it was. And the Bears, the Bears had the finances to afford him, but other times that could be, you know, a cut candidate, a restructured yeah. candidate for all those things. They realized not only could they afford him, that's one thing, but like that he was necessary to keep here. He was necessary. He's necessary. He's a necessary part of this team. Yeah. And the way he turned around his career last year 
Granted, in a new defense, he was able to go to a different role once they bring Jaquan Brisker in, go back to being the guy that they've originally paid when they gave him that extension. I, you know, I think that you can you can't be anything but happy for him that he was able to find that success again. And that success, I mean, there they were a young defense on the back end. Last year, when you think about what Eddie Jackson was to that group last year, yeah. Jalen Johnson going into year three. Kendall Vildor going into his third season, starting for the first time at corner, a rookie in Jaquan Brisker, a rookie in Kyler Gordon. Who are they looking up to? Who's the guy with all the experience that even though he'd been on losing teams throughout the majority of his NFL career, like he still had experience. He still kept that group together. And I think that Eddie really deserves a lot of credit for getting, just getting that group through the season last year. I know that they were set up to fail, that they were set up to have a bad record, but that's not easy to keep guys bought in, to keep guys going at it week after week when things are bleak and circumstances are not pretty. It's like, man, you got to get through two more months of this up until the time that he was injured. He was that guy. And so I'm not surprised at all that he was voted on by his peers in that locker room to continue on in his role as captain. And you know, I really do. I think this group is a very well-rounded group, and I think it's smart. You want to like some teams have like ten captains, and it's That's like weird. okay, guys, like <laughs> let's just let's just have like you got to have four unquestioned leaders that yeah. are not only the face of your team, not only your best players, but people who have the ability to connect across positions, across you know offensive and defensive lines, more or less. And and all four of those guys, very clearly, the way you've heard people talk about DJ Moore since he got here, whether they're on offense or whether they're in defense. Same with Tremaine Edmonds and of course Eddie Jackson and Justin Fields. Does it does now the only thing about this that right usually, you know, Matt Nagy did it very different. There were rotating captains, stuff like that, right? But there were many weeks where we were talking about Khalil Mack being the leader, the captain of this team. Does it speak anything about the situation long term with Yannick Ngakwe that uh He's not one of the captains in this thing. No, I don't think so. He just got here. But the guy got here in like the beginning of August and he's here on a one-year deal. I I don't think that their investment in him shows that it's, hey, prove it. And I know that people say, oh, it's not a prove it deal. It is a prove it deal. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a prove it deal. (laughs) Majority of it is guaranteed. I understand that he was going to come with an expensive price tag, but the guarantee he got was for one year. Nothing beyond this season. Now, if he ends up being a fit in this defense long-term, of course you could come up with, you know, you could find a lot of reasons to probably name him a captain next year. And it's cool to hear some of the younger pass rushers like Jervon Dexter talking about working with unique one-on-one and what Ngakwe said about him. He's like, I I think it was that he said about Pickens. He's like, I see a lot of myself um, in what, you know, he could be a day one guy to get after the quarterback and that he saw a lot of himself as a younger player in one of the bears top rookies from this year. He came in and right away, he started to help guys shape their pass rush repertoire. And I think that is so important for somebody who has been with a lot of different teams. I mean, he's in a really strange situation. Just think about his last three years of his career, how many locker rooms he's been through, how many different sets of personalities he's dealt with to ingratiate yourself to your teammates this quickly. And this well is a sign of somebody who could be, you know, is showing you everything that you would need to believe. Of course, the production has to match up with it and the fit has to match up with it. But 
right now it's showing you, hey, this was this is going to be money well spent. And yeah, maybe he is a captain at, at the end of the at one day. And the good thing is, I like what the Bears do with the honorary captain stuff because that's once a week, and oftentimes it'll be players who. You know, if there's a game where somebody came from, like that game might mean more to them from a personal standpoint, Lucas Patrick being one of the captains for the Green Bay game early on last season. Um, You know, Riley Reef, I think, was a captain for one of, I mean, he, I think he was an honorary captain for either Minnesota or Detroit, or it might have been another game, another team that maybe he didn't play with. But that stuff's cool because guys take that seriously to be able to go out to like, you know, to, to the 50 yard line to midfield for the coin toss to get to be a part of that and representing your team in those moments. I know it sounds like it's probably not a lot and they're like so locked in on the game and that stuff doesn't matter, but it does matter, especially yeah. in the lead up to that. Like that, that stuff matters to guys more than I think people think. And, and it, you know, it just tells you, right? Like I think about even like a Briggs or an Erlacher who it tells you who they know who, who the younger players or who the other guys are looking at, right? It sets the precedent. Justin Fields knows day one. And I think that it's interesting a lot of with what we saw in training camp with, you know, Justin Fields, I think he's going to have to have that moment where, yeah, he's locked into work. He's going to, he's going to be ready to go, but him and DJ Moore are both, I'm going to show you by action type of guys. They're not really rah-rah guys. We're going to get hype. I think Justin Fields is going to have to have that moment where he looks at what Tremaine Edmonds, what Demarcus Walker is doing on the defensive side and says, yeah, we got to get the offense going like that. And he's talked about that. And Fields is like, I've noticed this from him because I want to say that it was Darnell Mooney when he was talking about like hitting him in the head during camp, like slapping him upside his helmet more or less. Like, come on. No, like you, you know, we follow you. And I think we just need to put this in perspective. All of the things a quarterback needs to keep track of, like how many things he's juggling all at once. And then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, you got to be in the, the, in the huddle screaming LFG and all this stuff. Yeah, and like yeah, being yeah. the Tom Brady sort of leader, that stuff is really hard. And Justin Fields is trying to get it all right. He's three years into this. That stuff will come. His leadership will come over time, like in the form of being that vocal leader. I know he has it in him because we've seen him do it, but to watch him in the huddle the last couple games, like be the guy breaking down the huddle before they go into the locker room during these preseason games, that's, you know, getting more comfortable with that, I think takes time. And just because you are the quarterback of this team does not mean that you need to be the in-your-face sort of leader. Like, I always, I don't know why. My, my thought, probably because he's so boisterous, but I always go to, like, Ray Lewis and Joe Flacco <laughs> on those teams with the Ravens. Joe Flacco was, you know, he was, a, he was the quarterback on those teams. He that, that's exactly a, the way to describe it. He has it. a Super Bowl ring. Nobody was looking <laughs> to Joe Flacco to do the Ravens flock dance or whatever the hell we call yeah. Ray Lewis. You need sometimes like that guy can be that persona and it doesn't have to be just the most visible player. I so, also don't want play. I also don't want regular season. Joe Flacco is my quarterback though. I love playoff Joe playoff. Joe was that guy. Sure. But like, you know, Cam <laughs> Newton, I think like, you think like a lot of people put the idea of like captain quarterback has to be the end all be all of your team. Yeah. Cam Newton and the Superman and all that fun stuff he did as the leader of those teams in Carolina. Like, and I mean, I, there's, a, there's other quarterbacks who have done this, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, whatever. Like Fields doesn't have to be the loudest guy in the room to have the best leadership. And that's okay because as a quarterback, you are responsible for so many things. I, 
I'd rather you get that stuff right than worry about like, oh, I just ha- I have to pump these guys up. Like you got to yeah. bring juice to the team. You cannot come out flat. But that's why they have so many different leadership styles among that group of four that I think really will balance off each other nicely. I mean, realistically, if you think about it, right, like, and maybe I, I guess you also have to take into account, right, media being allowed to be around people and stuff like that. But we didn't see that side of Tom Brady until he was 42 on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, he's the in-your-face, I'll, I'll cuss you out, you're not going to sit here and talk to me any kind of way type of guy. Bill Belichick's waiting for you on the sideline. Might temper that a little bit, but <laughs> we'll see. Second quarter. Let's jump into the second quarter, Courtney, because I think that uh, the the biggest thing that we want to see is who is going to take that next step. There's a lot of players, and the NFL is a league where you can go from worst to first. So as we get into the second quarter, I want to know what is your lock for greatness this season. Now, I'm going to be asking this to everybody during Bears-Packers week, even and I'm asking Courtney now because realistically she's going to be our inside person on Bears Packers the entire time. We're going to be going over that a lot. But what team or player that was, let's say, mid last season do you believe will be great this season? Okay, there's so many different way angles that I could go here. Because I was going to give you someone who was downright awful. Is that? I mean, okay? we can go awful as well. Listen, it, me, I was being mid to be like politically correct. And That's nice. fair. That's fair. <laughs> honestly, when you think about mid, you could put Justin Herbert into that mix. Which, you know, a lot of people are really like, "What are you talking about? He was yeah. like a top ten quarterback." But that's how I feel about him and the step he's going to take with Kellen Moore and unleashing what he can do with hitting the throws all over the ball. But I'm not going to happen. If you Watson. Sean Watson had a 38 total QBR last year. He was downright freaking awful in the six games that we saw him play for the Cleveland Browns. And this whole summer, I remember, because this is summertime TV topic, like yeah. – Top 10 quarterback list. I had Deshaun Watson in mind, and I, you would have thought I said that Santa Claus isn't real because of the response that I got. Like, you put the when Deshaun Watson is at his back in the league. Let's see the Cleveland how this whole thing, I really see how out with the offense in. We know that Kevin Stefanski runs a scheme, at least last year in the six games that we saw. Didn't look like it was really meshing well with Deshaun Watson's style, but everything is hedging on this season for Kevin Stefanski and being able to, you know, probably he'll be on the hot seat conversation if they don't end up winning games because they just paid $230 million and the contract truly in earnest kicks in this year for Deshaun Watson. I have no qualms about going all chips to the table that he will be a top five quarterback by the end of this season and that it will look drastically different. To me, like this is a take it to the bank. Like I'm giving you free money here <laughs> to go and put this. This is a lock, and this was not a team that was mid. It was a team that was awful, and he was yeah. not even in the stratosphere of being bad. It was worse than bad last year. So this is, a, this is the easiest thing I think you've ever asked me on this show. 
<laughs> I, I agree with you, right? Because it's it's a situation with Deshaun where I think people forget. Listen, no matter what you think about Deshaun Watson, the person, Deshaun yes. Watson, the football player, mm-hmm. was elite at every single turn. And I, I, I implore people to please go back and watch his rookie year. You thought Mitch Trubisky had a bad offensive line? They were offensive linemen. Deshaun got to a point where tight ends were blocking for him. Like, multiple tight ends were blocking for Like, Deshaun Watson is going to go down. It, it's tough to say, but not. no, it's not, actually. Deshaun Watson is going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of this generation of quarterbacks. Yes. And it's and- not going to be, oh, my God, you know, he missed the season. He, he pretty much has missed two seasons. Guess what? He's going to come back very much Mike Vick in Philly, except an elite passer and an elite runner. He can still do both, and he can turn his wide receivers into elite wide receivers. Right? Like There was a point in that wide receiver room. We were like, oh, God, like, it's, it's ugly. Oh, he led the league in touchdowns that year. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm with you on that. I went Denver. As your, I mean, they again, again, you followed my my path of this. Like they weren't mid; they were downright awful. They were terrible. Last year. But I believe in. I don't know if I believe in Russ as much as I once did. Right? I think that there is a point where quarterbacks begin to fall off. I don't know if he's at that point yet. But I believe in Sean Payton, and I know that Sean Payton goes out there and runs systems. And I've seen Sean Payton turn Jameis Winston into a winning quarterback. I've seen Sean Payton turn Terry, uh, uh, I almost said Bradshaw, Bridgewater into a winning quarterback. He can turn Russell Wilson, even at his worst, into a winning quarterback unless Russ's arm just falls off this season. I think that Denver is going to have the bounce back year in total, and I think that that offense is going to be pretty potent this season. I agree with that. I think that this, you know, because Sean Payton, he will not fail in this. Eventually they can move on from Russell Wilson and they couldn't do it. I know that it was terrible this past year. New ownership group comes in. Sean Payton comes in. They weren't going to cut him and have that dead cap charge of, you know, it would be, it would be unprecedented. It was like over a hundred million dollars in money that they did not have him on your roster. Of course, that's not going to happen. He was in a broken offense last year. It was a, there was, was no, there, like, yeah, no, it was so bad because everything with pass protection set him up to fail because there were no routes timed up correctly downfield. That's why you saw him trying to do too much. And there was no play action. There was none of the things that are the staple, the slant go. And then, you know, deep shot off play action. That is a Sean Payton offense. All of those things when you can project how he's going to use the running game to support Russell Wilson, that he's going to tap into some of the things that made Russell Wilson great, but it's not going to be let Russ cook. It's going to be let Sean Payton cook. Let yes. Sean Payton do everything he can. Because, I mean, we, people want to say, oh, well, look what he did with Drew Brees. Look what he can do with Russell Wilson. Completely different quarterbacks. But the basis of that is the same. He has made a lot out of quarterbacks who have, you know, been lesser than someone like Russell Wilson, who was a Super Bowl champion. And he's turned those teams, he turned that team into a Super Bowl champion in New Orleans. I think this is probably the best coach quarterback marriage outside of Doug Peterson and um, and Trevor Lawrence in in Jacksonville. This by the time the season's over, we're going to be like that duo. That's a good one. That's one that actually works. 
That's that's a that'll be interesting to see. I don't know if I still I still still think Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are like the cream of the crop, and I'm really excited to see. There's a reason that Jacksonville is such a heavy favorite. Like they're like plus one seventy five, and I think Tennessee's minus three hundred to to win the AFC South. Like that is that's again, if you want a lock, there's a lock right there. But like that duo itself, I cannot wait to see what they do in year three. But like. Outside of that, if I'm looking at any like head coach who's an offensive mind and a quarterback that needs a jolt and needs a turnaround, I'm looking at Denver. Okay, all right, cool. I I, I wanted to specify there. I'm like Andy Reid die. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to turn anything around. They're already running. <laughs> okay, okay. They're off and running. Be They've sure. been off and running. I just want to be sure. Uh, let's jump into the halftime segment here real quick, because even though we're going general and uh, NFL, I think that this is still something that needs to be talked about before we get into this third quarter. Just uh, just a quick, uh, th- does the NFL need to step in here? Uh, did the Colts basically just give Jonathan Taylor a legal four game suspension because he keeps going? I'm fine. And they keep going. We're not going to pass you on a physical. It's bizarre that the way this thing was handled, because at first I'm listening to Chris Ballard's press conference earlier in the week, and he said everything that everybody thinks. This sucks. It sucks for us. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor. It sucks for Colts fans. And then he goes on to talk about like, well, you know, why didn't he get an extension? And the whole philosophy is just completely flawed from his logic of, look, we won four games last year. We won four games. So what happens then? Like extensions are not just tied to winning. So if, if they stink again this year, that means that nobody's up for extension in 2024. Yeah. Bizarre way to phrase that. And then he said that he has pain in his ankle. And of course they have to, have some sort of reason to keep him on the pup list because, but again, like a play, you know, to your point, can players and can they fight that? Yeah. You know, if you want to get like an independent arbiter involved and, you know, file a grievance with the NFLPA, that is certainly a route that he could go to say, no, um, I need a second opinion on this because the Colts certainly have an interest in this in trying to, you know, trying to force their hand here. And yeah. it is, it's so obvious what's happening. And I, you know, I think the NFLPA needs to come down a little bit harder on, you know, pushing this whole pup thing in the, the league itself too. Like, I think that this needs to be talked about on with CBA negotiations. Like yeah. stop trying to circumvent pup list. Look, the bears did it last year with Roquan <laughs> Smith. And that was a favor to Roquan Smith because yeah. You know, otherwise we got to find you the roster spot like that. It does. It helps them. So they didn't have to, you know, didn't have to worry about that, but then they wouldn't have to find him every single day. Helps the team, helps the player like you. And now in this case, like, you know, keeping him on the pup to start the season, it's a four game punishment is what that should be viewed as. Because even if it's the choice isn't his anymore, like now it's not like, well, all right, fine. I'll play. I'll earn myself. No, like you're on pop. Like you're not going to play these first four games. Obviously he's going to still get his, you know, he's still owed what he's owed because he's on pop, but it's, I just think it's an unfortunate way to go about this. And they keep telling us that something's wrong with his ankle. I just think that's a bad way to do business because especially you're publicly putting it out there like that. Listen, if if I'm Jonathan Taylor and I know the NFL very different place, but I'm shooting uh, I'm shooting Instagram Alonzo Ball video uh, and tagging uh, Jim Irsay and the Colts in it. 
And I'm saying, what ankle problems, right? Give me a drill. Show me something. Just, to, just Because here's the thing now, if I'm other NFL teams thinking about trading for you, oh, they really put you on pup. There's something really wrong. Like you're lying. That's now. exactly that's exactly what they're trying to do now. Because, but it's so bizarre because there were teams like Miami that was interested. Obviously, yeah. they weren't interested for the price of Jalen Waddle, nor should they have been. Um, and the Green Bay Packers too. The Colts were never. All of this shows me that the Colts were, were never the Packers. About, though the Packers pump fake on almost every serious I mean, this, player. This ever. wouldn't have been the first time <laughs> that they had an almost would be really really good trade like that the but, Packers are like the White Sox anytime a good player comes it's like we had him we almost had him it's like no you didn't <laughs> I just, I'm so I never like all of their demands made it sound like they weren't actually serious about trading yeah. him because how can you in your right mind and I have Jim Mercer can say whatever the hell he wants he's the owner he funds he bankrolls this whole thing yeah but like Chris Ballard is a smart guy he's a general manager he could you know Drafting Anthony Richardson puts him in a, like in, in on borrowed time, more or less. Like you have to get this quarterback situation right because if you do to Anthony Richardson what Ryan Grigson did to Andrew Luck, you're out of a job. So he knows that he needs a player like Jonathan Taylor there. You heard it there in his comments, but he, he, he also knows that you can't say, okay, well, the owner just said that if Jonathan Taylor's out of this league, basically the world keeps going on and he doesn't matter anymore. Yet because we view him that way, we also want a first-round pick. Like, what, what the hell are we talking about? So it's, <laughs> none of it's made sense. None of it made me think they were actually serious about trading him because it's like, yeah. how much money would you like to make this year, Courtney? I would like to make $100 million. Is somebody going to pay me $100 million? No. Like, but I'm just throwing it out there because that's what I want. Like, they yeah. were throwing something at the wall to see if it would stick, and it didn't. And it's, it's unfortunate it's, for the player. And, it's, and honestly, the biggest loser in all of this is Anthony Richardson. And for John, for the comment that Chris Ballard made about when he's asked about Andrew Luck and how that whole situation. <laughs> Andrew Luck? Yeah. Good guy. He died. He, yeah. He, he literally he, retired at 29 years old. I, oh I don't. God. Listen, every now and then, right? Like there's that moment where you're just looking at teams around the league and you're like, well, we're not them. We're not the Colts. Like I feel I'm okay with where we're at right now. A lot of question marks, a little offensive line issues. We're dealing with football problems here. We're not dealing with relationship. And here's, I think the toughest part about all of it for me is I agree. You shouldn't pay Jonathan Taylor $20 million a year. I 100% agree with Jim Ursay's premise. What I don't agree with is you sitting here going, I don't like how you talk. So we're going to put you on the pup list. I don't like that you're outspoken. So we're, oh, I'm sorry. Isn't that what you want for leaders of your team? No. It's I don't know. ugly. I, it's an ugly situation. And I don't know, come week one. I mean, he's on the pup for four weeks. Like, teams yep. can still trade for him, but he has to remain there. So, yep. I don't know how. I don't know how this gets resolved. It feels like this is nowhere near over, and that's unfortunate for again all parties involved, particularly Anthony Richardson. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Let's jump into this third quarter here because uh, just like the struggle that is happening with the Colts, I want to know your struggle of the year, Courtney, a team and or player that maybe was a, a pretty good, great last season that you think is just going to fall off and be middle of the pack to 
awful. Potentially terrible. <laughs> See, do you like how I like take it there? I, I it. look. I know that the Tennessee Titans have Derrick Henry and they have DeAndre Hopkins. I totally get that. They were a seven and ten team last year, which is mid. That I followed your rules this time. That, by definition, they are mid. I don't know if I see it with this group. I really don't. And in theory, offensively, they should be so hard to defend because if you load up eight in the box against Derrick uh, Henry, then DeAndre Hopkins is just going to like blow past your guy on the outside and make an absurd contested catch. I am not sure that the quarterbacks in that room, it's going to be Ryan Tannehill to start, but then what is it? Malik Willis? Is it Will Levis? Like, I'm not so sure that that revolving door is not going to like hinder the development of this team. And that also like, which, what do, where that, what lane are they in? Are you rebuilding? Are you like trying to force this thing through because you see an easier division to win, even though Jacksonville, the clear, as I mentioned, like the clear uh, favorite to win the AFC South, like Mike Vrabel, has made them into a team that's always relevant and a consistent squad. But the bottom fell out in this team last year, and it led to a 7-10 and 10 finish. It led to a new general manager coming in, and the level of support now around Ryan Tannehill at, you know, this point of his career where he's, you know, they're basically one foot out the door on him. I don't see it. I do not see it with Tennessee. I don't see it with them defensively as well. I think that they will be... I think they'll be mid again, to be quite yeah. honest. And, and part of that is too, you know, they they have to face Jacksonville twice a year. The AFC is a very hard conference, but you know, since I wasn't allowed, since I wasn't going to go the route of teams that were that are just like are going to stink this year, I'm giving you yeah. a little bit of like something that is a little intriguing. Uh, they're middle of the pack for me. Like if you're doing power rankings right now, I think you're probably going to see most team most people have them around like 24, 25. I'm going to go with a player okay. who was absolutely amazing last year and has been absolutely amazing over his whole career. I think the uh, the cavalcade of uh, struggles on this team will finally bring him down and force him to say, somebody get me the heck up out of here, even though I just got here. I think Devontae Adams has a, uh, a little bit of a down season this year. Jimmy Garoppolo is, listen, I, I want Jimmy G, Illinois guy. I like him. But I'm not gonna lie to you. Ever since uh, um, who? Oh, now I can't. Julian Edelman talked about you know kind of him in with the Patriots and how you know he just as a team guy, right? Everybody kind of looked at him as I don't know. You kind of started to see that everywhere else he went, right? San Francisco was like, no, we could do without you, like 100. percent Like we actually have been trying to get rid of you, but no one wants you. Finally, you see Jimmy G end up in Oakland, or I'm sorry, in uh, Vegas. And my God, you got to deal with, I, I don't buy Josh McDaniels all of a sudden is going to have a bounce back as a head coach and a, and a leader of t- he, <laughs> the stories on him. If you do yourselves a favor, if you're listening, watching, whatever it is, just go on TikTok and watch how some of his former players talk about him. Like he's, he's not a good leader. He's not a good leader of men. He's mm-hmm. an excellent offensive coordinator but you need somebody else to be at the helm of that. It cannot be him. I think Devontae Adams' numbers drop off significantly this year. I think he may be a regular, this still sounds crazy, right? Thousand yard receiver Wild. versus what he, he was last season. Do that. Um, 
I mean, he had a leg injury. I was worried a couple weeks ago. I think it was, they were in joint practice, I want to say, or regardless, it was training camp. And he had a leg injury. I was like, man, I hope that doesn't slow him down because this team's going to slow him down this year. They yeah. were such a mess last year. And the way that they handled getting Derek Carr out of there, which was one of the main reasons that Devontae Adams wanted to leave Green Bay to go play with his guy from Fresno State. I'm sure he can't be thrilled even though like he said that that whole comment that he made earlier this offseason about not seeing eye to eye with the decisions that the organization had made I know that he smoothed that stuff over because right now it has to be about ball it has to be about getting ready for week one Devontae Adams at his best top two top three receiver in the NFL for sure easily like the production with Garoppolo, who you know is coming off the ankle surgery this offseason, everything seems to be fine right now, but they're in a hard division. They have a hard schedule. And outside, I mean, they got they got Marquez Callaway. I think they claimed him the other day. So that's supposed to like bolster your receiving core. I don't see it. I think that the Raiders are probably a six-win team in, in this season. And Josh McDaniels, they couldn't fire him after one season last year, but he's probably, again, we talk about hot seat conversation. His seat gets turned up pretty darn quickly because they passed over drafting a quarterback this year um, because they, you know, they were so confident that Jimmy Garoppolo can be that guy, but Garoppolo for, for as great as his win percentage is that we know over his career because of, you know, the lack of you know starts compared yeah. to others who would have a similar win percentage. Like, I, I think so much of this is Josh McDaniel saying, hey, look what I did with Jimmy G in New England. Now they get paired up with him again. Let me see where I can take this thing. If it works, it's great. But if it doesn't, Devontae Adams is on the other side of 30 now. Like they don't have much the amount of the amount of drop-off, like for even the greatest receivers, like after the age of 30, it can be pretty significant for guys who have had as many catches that he's had over the last couple of years eventually that stuff starts to decline. So he's got to take a look at his career, measure it where he is right now and say, Hey, do I want to sign up for another year of this? Knowing that like if they finish bottom of the division, because we, we both agree Denver's going to be better. The chiefs are where they are. The chargers, Denver's going to be better. That naturally would put the Raiders at fourth. And I don't think that the best receiver by a lot of people's accounts is going to want to be on the worst team in his division next year. And it, it, listen, and my, my estimation of it has nothing to do with Devonte Adams having a fall off or anything. More I mean, listen, everybody else. he's been great. Like last season, Derek Carr didn't play what the last six games, seven games, something last like that. Right? Games, yeah. When they were like, go away. We're turning. We're, the, we're uh, done with you. Over. Right. He's still got 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. He's an absolute monster. You know what I don't believe in? I don't believe in guys magically finding health. Uh, Derek, or uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo has uh, time in San Francisco, six games, three games, 16, six games, 15, 11. He's magically going to be the healthiest player in the world coming off of an ankle injury. I don't, I, I don't I buy it. I think that that's going to be a nightmare situation. The entire uh, Josh McDaniels pairing and situation only works at best if it's because we're putting him and Jimmy Garoppolo back together. I mean, their defense, too, last year was like 26 in scoring. They're not yeah. very good. So I think this is going to be a big problem when, you know, like they – 
I, I just I take a look at the additions that they made outside of well they got first they got Tyree Wilson right like he yep. was there like and he was hurt so I guess I guess he's on track like the rest of the defense is a bunch of like you know just a bunch of guys out there so how is that supposed to fix a unit that gave up nearly like 25 26 points per game last year yeah you're, it, asking, you're asking a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo and you know maybe he can do it certainly Kyle Shanahan thought that he could until the point where they were ready to go you know to turn the offense over to Mr. Irrelevant and Brock Purdy but I don't I don't I just something's not adding a lot of things aren't adding up <laughs> with this team. I mean, yeah, they got Josh Jacobs back, you know, at the tail end of the preseason. That's great. He'll have to have a really big year too. But for Devonte Adams, I agree with you. Like it's not going to be on him. Like his numbers may dip because of the quarterback. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, him as a player, he's still going to be a top tier player, but the situation might devolve into something that isn't great for him beyond this season and him wanting out. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Let's finish it off here. Fourth quarter. Let's go to the fourth quarter and talk about some division predictions. Courtney. I love this part of the year because, uh, everybody's hopeful yep. and everybody's down on everyone. <laughs> That's it. It's one of two conversations. No, they're great. No, they suck. There's no middle, right? Even though 90% of the teams in the league are in the middle out here. Uh, let's start it off with our own NFC North, right? Where, where are you feeling right now? We've seen everything in training camp. We've seen how everything has gone down. How do you feel like the division shakes out? Okay. So I'm still going to stick with my pick of Detroit winning the division. Like, the over under on this for a while has been at like nine and a half. And I don't think anybody in the division has anything that's like over like that amount. And Minnesota's yeah. right around eight and a half. Packers are at seven and a half or Packers are seven and a half. Bears are at seven and a half. So it's, that shows you, Hey, it's a wide open division. It really could be anybody's. And I don't buy the worst to first conversation around the Chicago bears, but you can make an argument for it based on how Vegas is stacking this thing up, up yeah. right now. Um, I still think that the Lions end up winning the division. I think that Minnesota is not going to fall off nearly as much as people think. You know, the TJ Hawkinson deal that happened on Thursday this week and the importance of that and just leads you to believe, all right, like TikTok, when's Justin Jefferson going to happen? Is it going to be before week one? Are they going to really want to play this thing out and let him get really expensive? Next year, I mean, they'll have to keep him, but that would mean a new quarterback. I don't think that Kirk Cousins is going to just like fall off a cliff after last year. They're going to be more efficient in the way that they run the ball. And defensively, it's a brand new scheme with a brand new idea and mindset mentality with Brian Flores replacing what they had last year when they switched over to a 3-4. So and then I think it's Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago. So those are my division finishers in the NFC North. So you got you've got Bears still last. I do, I do, and I think that that's okay. I think they are a develop in, still in the developing stage of where they are, and that's what you expect from a rebuild that takes time. I know that Ryan Pohl said during his um, you know kind of putting a bow on the preseason press yeah. conference that he felt like he had addressed that they had mostly fixed seventy five to eighty percent of the roster. I agree with that, but health is a concern right now. And we yeah. see it when we're there. And I know that they like have, have told us, Hey, everybody's going to, everybody basically except Tevin Jenkins is going to be okay. Jaquan Brisker was not practicing much on, on Thursday. Matt Eberflew said next week is going to be big for him on Wednesday because he's got a lot of rehab work. He's got to do 
over the course of the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like from a health perspective, but I just, to me, I can't go all in until I start to see the progress from Justin Fields in real games, because that would be silly to hedge something that I have seen in 4.75 preseason snaps. (laughs) Of course, there's six months of preseason work that you get to watch. And, and that stuff has been good and it has not been so good. That's okay. That's a growth curve. Like that's he's in year three of this. He doesn't need to come out of this being Joe Montana, but in year three, he has to show you that he can take steps towards being the franchise guy in a way that leads them to be comfortable to continue to build around him. But I still think that seven wins for this team, my goodness, the improvement from three and 14 to seven and 10 is huge. So that's probably how I predict it for the bears, probably eight and nine for the green Bay Packers, nine and eight for Minnesota. And then 10 wins for Detroit. Like again, like I know everybody like at this time of year wants to predict 13 wins for like your yeah, division no. finisher. Yeah. Like no, like the, the lions have to start out with the chiefs. Their road is hard enough. 10 wins would win you the division. That is going to be the case. The NFC yeah. North is going to have one team come out, like rewind this in January, and you can tell me if I'm right, they're going to have one team come out. This will be the one division in the NFC that doesn't have two coming out. Uh, you know, another is a wild card. They have one division winner, and yeah, that no. will be the Detroit Lions. I, I do agree with that uh, at this point. I've got it very different. I think the Vikings do fall off. I think the dynamic of um, what we saw last season with, of course, the one-win stuff, but also just right like the question marks on that defense, like – they didn't get answered. Almost none of them, right? You answered a pass rusher that you had last season and Daniil Hunter coming back. But like outside of that, is there's still a ton of questions on that that Vikings team for me. I do think that they, I think they just about cut their wins in half, maybe eight wins at most. Seven is kind of where I'm sitting, okay. feeling on them. So I've got them third right now. I do think the Lions win it 10 and uh 10 and 7. I think that's their division win. I got the Bears right now 9 and 8 because I think they'll do well in the division and their schedule's easy enough that they can stumble into at least I hope four wins outside of the division. But I just I think the Packers the part that people miss with the Packers and I I've gone back and you know watched a little bit of the tape not a ton because it makes me sick. But um you know Jordan Love can run the script. After the script, he starts to look like Mitch. I really start to see a guy that I was like, oh, yeah, when you practice these plays, I'll practice and you can get these done. He can run that. Okay, that makes sense. What happens after that? The adjustment then, where there's no Aaron Rodgers now, I think that's going to be a bigger fall off than people think. I still have the Packers being a seven-win team right now. But I do think that it's gonna. They'll probably end up bringing up the rear because I think they'll lose more games to Minnesota. That's okay. how I got my NFC North right now. Yes, Bears second in the division. Um, Consistent because you said nine wins at Football Fest, so yeah. you're sticking with nine wins. That's good. Like you're good to like stay in this lane if that's what you believe for the season. And you're right. Like they they have the ninth easiest schedule based on strength of schedule of their opponents. They've got Arizona in the mix. They've got Tampa Bay. Those should be two, in theory, those should be two wins for the Chicago Bears. In, in theory, the, yeah. In, in the division, if they can split with Green Bay, and that's why like, I look at this, I look at this week, or excuse me, week one, 
and why it's so important for them. Like you can't just like ease into this. You've really got to put your foot on the gas because you can regain an edge in the rivalry and it's not going to necessarily affect like, you're not going to like wrestle back like, Oh, all of a sudden they have this many wins and green Bay has this many wins, but you're going to take a step back towards changing what that feel is where it's become so one-sided over the last couple of years. So if you can split with green Bay, if you can, I mean, your, your goal is always to split with all of your division opponents and they do put a lot of emphasis on that, but some of the other teams, you know, we mentioned you're, t- you're trying to find your four. I think you could probably f- throw Washington into yep. that mix and Carolina into that mix. Maybe the Saints. I mean, there's a lot of, what about this one? Oh, that could be a win. I mean, the, the, of course, like you have to figure, you know, when I say the Saints, I don't have them winning that game because that game's in New Orleans. It's a very yeah. hard place to play. But it's if it's nine wins, like that shows you that everything that they did this offseason – those are moves that they hit on because yeah. a lot of this roster, more than half of it is turned over from like last season, which there's a lot of newness and a lot of like te- reteaching guy, like or teaching guys culture on the fly, the culture of like how they do things here. And that would be a notch in the belt of the coaching staff, which is being relied on a lot to get this team where it needs to go and developed. And Matt Eberflus is not shy of playing rookies. And he knows that like, he's going to have, you know, a considerable amount of guys this year, Roshan Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, the two defensive tackles. Like there's a lot that's changing with this team. And if they're a nine win team, then you're feeling, if you're Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, you're feeling very confident about where this rebuild is headed. Yeah, you're banging the drum. Let's fly through some of these. Let's just go with the the people you have winning the division now. NFC South, where are you feeling? Buccaneers, Panthers, Saints, Falcons. Give me the Falcons. Atlanta going from 7-10 and to division winner. They almost won the division last year. They were capable of it. They have one of the better skill groups down there. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not good. You know what I mean? Like that's They are the new, uh, what was that, the NFC East. They're the new NFC East. There's always one. Yeah. Uh, Falcons run their way to a win. I'm with, uh, you know what? I'll go. I'm going to go saints. I think Derek Carr has a bigger impact there. That's all depending on health, but I'm, I'm hoping everyone's mostly healthy. NFC West Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Give me the Seahawks. I'm right there with you. I think Gino bounces back. I think Gino bounces back in a strong way. And I'm not trying to be all down on Kyle Shanahan because everybody's dunking on him for the Trey Lance thing, but like just, I have to pick a surprise in here. I can't just go like all favorites. So give me the Seahawks. I mean, and, and Gino has already shown you that, you know, at 30 something years old, he bounced back. So like, I don't think there will, the carryover will be there is what yeah. I think. NFC East, maybe a competitive division at the top. Cowboys, Eagles, definitely rounding it out. Giants, commanders. Give me the Eagles. I'm... You're picking Dallas. Are you really doing that to yourself? No, I'm not. I, I would never pick Dallas. First off, that's just Dallas. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I was going to see, but I think there's too much turmoil. I was going to say, I think the Giants can take a step, but I think there's just too much turmoil with the Saquon situation for everything back. to be smooth. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, AFC East, Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, how you feeling? You know, I'm going to stick with the pick that I made a while ago, and I have said this is Buffalo's division until it isn't. I know that it's a very competitive division, arguably the most competitive division in the NFL. Give me the Bills. You know what? 
God, I hate doing it. I, yeah, it you're, I know bad. where you're going with this. I'm sorry. Like, he's a very good quarterback. Give me J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I think that here's... I think that Aaron Rodgers is going... Now, this doesn't mean they're going to go deep in the playoffs, win a Super Bowl, none of that. But I do think that Aaron Rodgers is not the problem during regular seasons. And I've seen him turn worse than what he has with the Jets into winning situations. <laughs> And when it gets cold in Buffalo, uh, Josh Allen likes to basically throw the football as hard as possible. His receivers are getting sick of that. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> they keep saying it. AFC West, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Who you got? This Chiefs division? It. Yeah, let's yeah. just move on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. AFC North, Bengals, Ravens, an interesting team, Steelers and Browns. Who you got? Give me Baltimore. I think that all of the change, and it's a lot of change for Lamar Jackson, but the influx of receiving talent around him and also where this defense is. It's such an underrated part of the story because everything's about Todd Munkin and Lamar getting his contract and OBJ like Roquan Smith. Yeah. He's he's also there. So I, there my, again, I'm giving you a sneaky pick. Some people are going to say Cincinnati and that's fine because Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and everything else that you can say about the Bengals. But Again, two games in the AFC can separate a lot of things. If Joe Burrow isn't fully healthy, you know, he hasn't played at all this preseason. We saw what happened last year, how bad of a start they got off to uh, when he, you know, was coming off not playing at all during camp in the preseason. So I think that that could factor into my Ravens pick as well. I'm going to double down on what I said earlier about feelings on Deshaun Watson. Give me the Browns in a surprise uh, upset of that division because I I do believe, listen, Joe Burrow, amazing, dominant, can't stop him. Still a lot of questions on that offensive line for me. Mm -hmm. He gets hit a lot. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I don't know if I believe in the... I, I like Zay Flowers. I love, you know, OBJ, but at the end of the day, right, OBJ is OBJ. He could be healthy. He could not be. We never know. Steelers, I think, still got a ways to go. I think the best quarterback in that division usually ends up winning out, and I think that will be Deshaun Watson to finish out this season. Let's finish it out here. AFC South, Jags, Titans, Colts, and Texans. This should be a runaway. I think we will agree with this one. Jaguars. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, that is our predictions. Make sure that you guys drop your predictions for division winners in the comments below and make sure that you let us know anything that you saw from today's show or any show that you guys are big on. Drop it in the comments below. Make sure you're dropping a bear down for Courtney Cronin. I am Pat, the designer, back at it again. Y'all have a great weekend. Packers week is here, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. <laughs>